1: What's going on, everybody? you got Evan Knowles and Logan Jones here with the Middle Tech Podcast. We just had an amazing conversation, really important conversation, uh, probably one of the most important conversations actually we've ever had uh, with a man named Mark Franco, who is the founder and CEO of MXD Process. So they make industrial mixing equipment. For some major companies around the world he has a chemistry background and so he used that to build his business but most importantly again this is one of the most important conversations we've ever had on this podcast and it's one that you know founders don't seem to want to talk about very often for several reasons you know it's faith and it's family uh, entrepreneurs just don't typically get that vulnerable um, and I think it's because one uh, these two things faith and family are deeply personal but two I think it's just people are scared people are scared to talk about that stuff because again it's it's a sense of vulnerability that people aren't comfortable with especially a lot of entrepreneurs who are you know th- who think they have to be this perfect person uh in a in an imperfect world and um i think that's stupid because i think family and faith for long term health are integral they're absolutely needed if you don't have those things i at least one of those things I, I don't see how you can be a happy person on this planet um so it's important for me to say, like, this isn't, Mark isn't preaching. You know, we had a great conversation and it was just a genuinely open conversation. Everybody that's listening to this, you don't have to have, you know, a family. You don't have to have a faith even to to be engaged with this conversation and get value out of this, I don't think. Um, you know, everyone has their own journey. And at the end of the day, uh, nobody actually knows what they're talking about when it comes to religion. It's all faith. I mean, nobody knows. You know, when we die, we don't know what's going to happen. We have faith that some people might have faith that they know. But I think it's important to know that nobody knows what they're talking about. It's faith. So if you are turned off right now, don't be because this is a really important conversation that needs to happen more. And I'm really glad uh, Frank stepped out or Mark stepped out uh, to have this conversation.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't actually get to join this conversation. I had an allergy attack that day that prevented me from actually recording. Evan saw me. I was crying and everything. It was
1: 422. So I thought that was like (laughs) super funny because you were walking around and people were like, people thought I was high. Celebrating, Um,
0: but yeah, so I got to listen to a little bit of the recording after Evan had recorded it and sent it to me. And after listening to some of it, I was like, man, this, like Evan has said multiple times here, this is a really important topic. And it's one that I just wanted to hop on the intro uh, and kind of give my perspective on it as well. I mean, I'm not even really starting a company right now. I'm, I'm lucky enough to be involved with middle tech and an early stage startup right now, which is a lot. Uh, but for me, it is—it's hard for me to even balance like a social life, trying to deal with like getting in a romantic relationship, uh, getting enough sleep, keeping your body healthy, and I feel like at the pillar of all those is my family. Like if I don't have my family, and then secondary to that, exploring in my faith and making sure that my faith can withstand all these other things being thrown at it all at once, that is at the crux of what makes me—what makes life worth living, in my opinion. Um, so. Super excited for you guys to listen to this conversation. We would love to engage in an open conversation about this. That's probably one of my favorite things to do right now is just understand different perspectives, where people come from, how they were brought up, what they were taught when they were younger. So if if something in this episode strikes a chord, whether it's a good chord or whether it's a bad chord, uh, please let us know. We'd love to to engage in conversation about that. Uh, But this conversation, they covered uh, Mark's background the role faith, uh, played in his entrepreneurial journey, how religion actually allowed him, uh, to take more risk in life, which is maybe something that, uh, you wouldn't think. And then, uh, also how he's balanced having 12 kids. Yeah. 12 kids cheaper by the dozen over here, (laughs) 12, (laughs) 12 (laughs) kids with being an entrepreneur. Uh, and then also how the Louisville, uh, ecosystem has been from his perspective. Um, so before we dive in here, we're just going to get a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Land Betterment. Land Betterment is doing some incredible work throughout Appalachia and Eastern Kentucky as they are taking abandoned strip mines and putting sustainable businesses in their place. These businesses not only provide a useful repurposing of the land, but they also provide great jobs to replace the mining jobs that were lost when the mine was shut down. To learn more about Land Betterment, you can listen to our interview with their founders, Mark Jensen and Kirk Taylor, on episode 97, or visit their website at landbetterment.com.
1: This episode is also brought to you by Airwing Ventures. Airwing helps determine entrepreneurs seeking resources to grow with capital and connections in order to grow successful companies and impactful legacies. They're all about high-growth companies, high-growth careers, and high-growth communities. I've personally known Dan for about four years now, and I've seen the work he's been doing in the community, and we should all be grateful for VCs like him around this area. I encourage you to connect with Airwing and learn more Let's all connect and grow together. You can email Dan at info at airwing.vc. Their website is
0: www.airwing.vc. And before we get started, we just want to tell you guys about a great opportunity from our sponsor, Render Capital. So Render Capital is a Louisville-based investment firm with a shared mission of advancing the startup ecosystem in Kentucky and the Midwest. Are you a startup founder who could use $100,000? If so, Render Capital wants you to apply for their 2021 Render Competition. The Render Competition invests $100,000 into eight early-stage startups each year to help them scale their solution and attract future investment. Your startup should be one of those startups. Anyone is welcome to apply, and it's super easy. Applications are open now, and the deadline to apply is May 6th. Learn more about the Render Competition and apply today at Competition or check out today's episode description for a direct link. Again, that's render.capital slash competition.
1: This is a conversation that, um, ever since we talked to Mark on the phone, we've been looking forward to this conversation. I think this is a conversation that uh, doesn't happen enough. I think entrepreneurs get so caught up in their business and what they have to do on the day to day that they uh, oftentimes don't talk about what they need to do and take a step back when it comes to family and their faith. And so, Mark, thanks for joining us. We're looking forward to this conversation.
2: Yeah, glad to be here, Evan. Thank you. So,
1: before we get into, you know, as I mentioned, faith or family, Let's talk about your background, you know, where you're from and your professional background. You can start wherever you want.
2: Yeah. So, originally I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, actually not too far away from Louisville, Kentucky, where I'm at now. And um my background's kind of varied. You know, it's interesting. I come um from a family that my father was a chemical engineer. And um and so uh I at a very young age started being uh, involved in, in chemistry projects in my basement uh, using my father's lab equipment. And so I ended up very naturally uh, going into chemical engineering. And so uh, out of that, you know, working at, at several companies, but kind of surprisingly coming out of it is just this desire I had to kind of build things. And so my background ended up being really varied from that chemical engineering background, even though, you know, the primary business people kind of generally associate me with was MXD process, which is here in, in the Louisville area. And we build, you know, process equipment uh, by that. I mean, stainless steel vessels, mixing equipment, automated systems that go associated with that. And um, but I've got involved in so many other things with medical devices you know, companies that that produce podcasts, uh, from nonprofit organizations that start micro enterprises around the world, and and a variety of other kind of infrastructure, kind of tech investments that kind of gave birth out of that. So, very hard sometimes to even say well, what's your background. Well, that's the best background that I could give is something like that.
1: Yeah, and I always like to ask, you know, was entrepreneurship something that you saw an example of, or what brought you to entrepreneurship? Early on or sometime in your career, well,
2: it's interesting actually, and it ties very much into our our discussion here today in in terms of faith because I had no desires for entrepreneurship growing up. There's academia all the way. you know my father was a professor at the University of Cincinnati at seventeen. I was starting to actually even publish some things in the American Journal of hematology wow. you know i was I was set up for academia, which is some would say is the, kind of the furthest from uh entrepreneurship that you can imagine. Well, that's not really true. But um, but what really inspired me first into entrepreneurship was really a a desire just to to try things and do things. Um and so, you know, I was working for a a, a company in the New Albany area, which is uh in Indiana, and um I just had a chance to be able to um, take, you know, a leading role in that company at a very young age. Just given opportunities in my late twenties uh, to be able to to take control of a section of the company and just see what you could do, and it started just inspiring. Wow, like there's just freedom to to do things that um, that I never imagined being able to do from an academic standpoint, and some of that academic learning actually allows you to kind of feed into, to trying, you know, more and more activities. And so, uh, I had no kind of background I didn't know how to spell entrepreneur growing up and, but starting to like, see that others identify, Oh wait, you're an entrepreneur. Oh, am I? I didn't know that's what this was (laughs) called. I thought it was just trying fun things, um, and growing them. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting. My, my father still today is, is kind of surprised saying, yeah, this is, didn't expect to see this, but it's good.
1: Yeah. And let's, let's start to transition now. You just, you mentioned it earlier, you know, it's, it's interwoven with, with your faith that entrepreneurship is. And, and I think faith and we'll get to it and, and family are something that I'm really interested in, in talking more about and kind of exploring, you know, faith and family are two things that are, you know, very important to me. I grew up uh, in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, and grew up going to Catholic high school and Catholic grade school. And it's always been a part of my life. Um, and then family has always been something that's very important to me. And I can tell, you know, early on, in, and I'm very early in my entrepreneurship career, that it is going to be something that is either a struggle or something that's always something I'm gonna be battling with or thinking about often as I grow as an entrepreneur and as just a person in general. And so I'm looking forward to hearing, you know, your take on, you know, how you've interwoven those two things into your entrepreneurship career. So let's start with your faith, you know, walk through, you know, your faith journey in a way that you can, um, and let's say not just the quickest way possible, but just summarize in the best way you can kind of how you've navigated faith throughout your career or your life.
2: Yeah, and that's a big question. I'll do the best I can to summarize. Um, I I grew up Catholic as well. It was the type of Catholic um, that I didn't really know why I was there in church or what I was doing. It was just, you know, something we did as a family.
1: Just to make a comment there, you know, I I kind of felt that at times as well because, because it was part of my curriculum in school, which kind of confused, like, am I doing this? You know, because it's actually my faith and I've chosen this and it's something meaningful to me, or is this something I'm getting a grade on? And so that was always something that even today I, I think about. But, yeah, you know, I keep going. I felt that as well.
2: Yeah, and it was just, i, I you probably had a better understanding than myself in it because I didn't go to Catholic school. I mean, I, I did have some kind of teaching at the church and such. Um, but really, you know, I didn't integrate it into my life. It wasn't something that was meaningful. It was just something that, um, we did on Sundays. And I actually remember as a early teenager, a, a conversation in my car that said, like, after we were done, I sat in the back of the car with my parents after church. And I asked, why are we doing this? Uh, and my parents were like, I don't know. I was like, why don't we do something else on Sundays? And he's like, they were like, eh, we probably should. And we stopped going to church at that point. Hmm. Um, and so it wasn't a real important part of of my life growing up. But it was interesting as I was kind of getting older and by that, I mean college age and I'd studied a lot of the physical world. Um, I was really, I was in my studies of chemical engineering really into kind of the physics of the world and kind of interested in astrophysics and these kind of things. This, this kind of voice of the metaphysics of the world, if you will, of you know what is going on here, I know that there's more to what I'm looking at than just the physical world, and uh, I started a journey at that point of saying, okay, like what are some of the answers to this? You know, what are some of the the or at least what are some of the questions even uh, to be asking? And this kind of went into an exploratory mode of many of the Eastern religions is where I started. Of the spirituality of the Eastern religions and and really kind of ended up in in <laughs> where I never thought I would because I had discounted okay Christianity, I'd seen that when I was growing up, like don't need to explore that and and kind of looked at everything else and find myself coming back around with this really interesting of uh, the the Christian melding of actually really the Eastern and Western world um together in that and and really coming to see the person of Jesus Christ as this very unique individual that kind of embodied the fulfillment of all kind of the ethical, physical, and non-physical questions I had, and really kind of started my Christian journey there as a a sophomore in college. And um, and that really kind of was a seminal event because I was studying, I was in pre-med, with my chemical engineering work. And there was a sense of, oh, wait, like this changes everything. Mm-hmm. Like I, and, and there was just a movement. It's just some of it's the weirdness and some of the things in the Christian world of, well, if you're really passionate about this, I guess you don't need to go be a preacher. So there was this phase like, oh, okay. Like I am passionate about this. I guess I need to go into full-time ministry. And... um and so there was a a movement where I was like, okay, I'm going to go into this full-time ministry, but I've got a, you know, I had a new wife at the time. I, I needed to make some money to get some, you know, let her finish her degree. And I went into the business world at the same time of saying, okay, I'm, I'm committed to this faith journey. And, and that intersection, I was at a, you know, multi-billion dollar automotive company tier one. And, um, and you may know them from Elizabeth Town Dana Corporation.
1: Yep. yep, right down from where my dad works and, in Akibona. Uh,
2: and I was actually in, in Danville, Kentucky. It was a little bit different, doing head gaskets, but it was um, you know same company. And uh, and and there, I really got to kind of explore this: what does it mean to to be a someone who is a committed Christian in a business context? Thinking that was going to be a battle, and in some sense it was, and in some sense it was actually not at all. Um, and, um, like a lot of the things that I was growing and learning in this kind of the ethics and in the non-physical part of, of the world, um, were very useful for me to know where to stand in different things. I remember, you know, events where I'm sitting in a meeting with, um, you know, people I'm, you know, in my early twenties and vice presidents of this company sitting in a meeting and we're talking about, you know, what's the right thing to do here. And I just got and said, well, we can't lie. We can't lie to these people. And uh, we've got to tell them the truth. And my plant manager said, well, if you're going to tell them the truth, then you're going to figure out how to solve this problem by the time Ford is here tomorrow. And I was like, fine, I will. (laughs) And uh, I walked out of there going, how am I going to do that? Like. And it was like one of the first times where I'm like, I better pray because I'm going to lose my job. Um, And uh, so this, and by God's grace, yeah, like I said, okay, I I can't lie about this. And so there must be another way out for me. And, um, and innovation now, like took root (laughs) because of necessity of the ethic. And um, it allowed me to kind of be very innovative. And then you know, able to solve the problem to not lie the next day. And uh, and then that group saying, we need to put this guy on the executive fast track. Uh, and so it was an interesting, I know it, it doesn't always turn out like that, um, but it was an interesting event of looking at, you know, how those things intermingle. And this built on that, you know, started to, you know, see that, that these things were combined together. I don't need to necessarily go into, The ministry to have a great ministry, if you will, of entrepreneurship and fulfilling God's calling in that way um, of being able to grow and be, you know, lead in this way and to encourage others to to follow this way of ethical business.
1: Mm, Very interesting. I see my part of my personal story is my coming or my my faith was always part of my life from the beginning. Uh, My Mm -hmm. family went to church from the time I was a baby all the way through um, when I was in high school uh, and went to to college every Sunday. And it was part of my curriculum in school from grade school Mm -hmm. through high school. Mm -hmm. And I actually kind of had the opposite experience of you where I started in the faith and then had experiences with going to a planetarium or going and learning about chemistry or philosophy, these things outside of religion. And that kind of made me question things. So you question things Mm -hmm. kind of in a Mm -hmm. different direction. Than I do, yeah. and I, I think that's really interesting because, um, I think one thing that you know, growing up in, in a faith does is it has a lot of traditional values, and uh, you learn to follow and learn to, um, you know, kind of uh, because it was part of that curriculum, I, I just did it because I had to, yep. And but when I started learning about things outside of the faith and learned about philosophy, I started to question more things and that kind of seeded. My interest in things like science and entrepreneurship and technology. So I think that 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 path you take is uh, that you had uh, taken is is interesting. Um, And let's also talk about the fact that it brought ethics into uh, your your business career, because is that one of the main things that you felt it has brought to your career and entrepreneurship is ethics? What are some other things that you've noticed that faith has brought uh, to entrepreneurship?
2: You know, I think the it's interesting that would be like the normal expectation of ethics, but risk assessment is probably a bigger factor in my of what it does uh for me and hmm. let me explain that a little bit. and it may have a little bit of do with my background. like when I was thirty, I had to have heart surgery, and um you know i I had just started my first venture on, on you know uh, building a medical device company. Uh, right before that. And, um, but I wouldn't give up kind of my daytime job. And then I find out just almost as a fluke, they discover, Oh wait, you have a terrible heart problem. And if we didn't discover this right now, you'd be dead in a few months. Hmm. And, um, and I had to have, you know, kind of emergency surgery on one of my valves. And, um, And even this kind of world-renowned doctor looked at it and said, well, this is the second hardest one that I've ever even seen. And so we're going to have to, you know, I I can't promise you anything. We'll see. And so I remember going under and thinking, like, you know what, like, this is like, this is the risk of this, of like standing before God and the next time I open my eyes uh, is... So much greater than any of these risks of business or life with family, you know these kind of things. And I remember coming out of that, like, thank the Lord, totally, almost miraculously, able to repair it. And I'm kind of—they uh, were just amazed that it didn't leak at all, and and all these kind of things, which we considered an answer to prayer. But it changed me in looking at risk, where I look now at well it's not the risk that I do something. It's more of a risk that, that I, that I don't do something that I, I, I'm living on borrowed time, even though we all kind of, you know, we don't, death is kind of around us and we kind of ignore it all the time that it's there always COVID-19 has made it even more prevalent in our lives of thinking about it. So I think it has a lot of relevance today. And And so that when we look, when I look at risk now, I look at a venture of like, what if I were to get to the end of my life and I allowed fear to rule me rather than, than faith and stepping out and doing something. And that becomes kind of the biggest change is that, that fear doesn't grip my decision making. Um, because I know in the end, oh, I'm living on borrowed time. Like anything I do now is in like bonus and, um, and I can, I can look at things, I feel like, more appropriately of saying, yeah, I'm going to go for it. If I fail, who cares? Like, it doesn't matter, ultimately, because when I stand before God, he's not going to say, well, four of your businesses did well and two did well. He's going to look at it and say, you know, a hey, good and faithful servant. Um, and his call to us, in many ways, is to be a good uh, steward of the gifts that we have and if i have gifts that i'm just holding back either for my own pleasure or for my own um you know fear cuz i don't want to execute on them that becomes a greater risk where i look in the face of god and said sorry i was just too afraid um and uh and that's probably the biggest factor mm. that affects how i think about um how i think about uh faith interacting with my entrepreneurial spirit
1: yeah That, that love that. That's, that's really powerful. I think that allows you, I I love the fact that you've, you connected that to risk because everybody knows that entrepreneurship is largely about risk. And if you fail, you know, having that faith to fall back on that foundation is, is so important. And, and we'll talk about family as well. And I feel like that's also a big part of it, um, is that, you know, whatever happens in your professional and entrepreneurship career, Like you said, you might have a couple failures, might have four things that go well, but at the end of the day, those things aren't in the grand scheme of things, what matter most to you or to God. So I think that's a really important way to think of it. But I feel like entrepreneurs don't talk about this enough. I feel like they don't talk about faith. It's not something that when they go to conferences and get up on stage that they're even asked to talk about, you know, there's never a mention of a faith in any of the, the media outlets or any of the magazines or interviews that you often see with entrepreneurs, why do you why do you think that is?
2: I think there's a couple reasons. Um, I think first it just it feels irrelevant um, because I think sometimes we're focused too much on the mechanics of launching businesses and of leadership, and we're not focused as much on the on the philosophies that underpin good, you know business practices and good launches. And so it feels irrelevant and, and you know, but it's not at all. You yeah. know, when you look at, I mean, just one small example I use, when you look at the, the primary tenets of that, you know, the apostle Paul kind of distills the Christian faith and our actions out of it are it's faith, hope, and love. If you actually take those and we, they're so kind of Christian and ethical eyes that they're almost hard to think clear. But if you really think about what is faith, hope, and love, I mean, faith is is the ability to see the unseen and commit to that that kind of dedicated you know vision with with perseverance. I mean, hope is is being able to see the future and kind of believing in a path that leads to the good of that, and love is kind of that affection that that allows you to look out for what's best of everyone around you and, and whether it's vendors or customers or, or whoever the world, those are the main drivers for all the soft skills, uh, if you really think about it, that we need as entrepreneurs to be able to lead, to be able to inspire, to be able to see a vision and to be able to build a great team that's apart from us personally. And they're actually the ways that, that entrepreneurs typically fail. Um, is in the soft skills area because anyone can get, you know, the training to build a financial model. But how do you grow in hope? Um, and so I think we ignore these things because they're they're not seen as relevant, though I think they're highly relevant. And secondly, I think that people are afraid to talk about this. You know, even as I prepare for this, I think, oh, like, I'm putting it out there a bit to share who I am and what this means and my faith. Um, because you know some people may see this as divisive, and there 's a history of it being divisive it 's not even like i 'm criticizing people for even thinking that way i there 's a history of religion being divisive. um I think we can handle it in a way that we don 't take ourselves so seriously about it all and that we realize that you know some of the people that we most need to learn from are probably the people that are have most of the contrary kind of opinions from us. And that when we look at it that way, that we can actually grow and learn. Uh, But it's traditionally something that seems divisive, uh, and it truly has been. But I don't think it should be, and it should be talked about. We're really missing out on a lot of of what it means to be a whole person Mm -hmm. when we just ignore this portion of life. Um, Because these entrepreneurs, like when I talk to them privately, you know, can have some. I mean, most of the time, actually, have a deep philosophy that's driving them. Yeah. And we just when we when we don't bring that in, or or it has to conform with like kind of one way of thinking, or they get canceled. Um, it, it just everyone looks at it. Hey, I'm I'm not talking. Like, yeah. hurt my bit. Like, I'm trying to start a business here. I don't have time to, you know, say this and have to deal with all the consequences of it. Um, but we we need to kind of put away the fear of that and And walk forward and, and be able to share these things, because we have we have things to teach
1: yeah i think I think there is um, some improvement taking place. I think it's starting with mental health. I think it's starting with entrepreneurs being able to speak openly about their anxiety or their stress. Mm-hmm. but entrepreneurs are kind of in a way almost uh, expected to keep a straight face and expected not to be vulnerable. Because it's business first, like you said, they're not supposed to get up on stage and talk about what's wrong with their business or what's wrong with them personally because they've got so many people to answer to and stakeholders. And traditionally, you know, it's not uh, appropriate or even uh, in the interest of the stakeholders to hear how their personal life's going or their faith or their mental health. And I think that's beginning to change. But a personal story of mine is, um, you know, I've always kind of been exploring uh, Christianity and my faith because, again, I grew up Catholic yeah. Um, and I had those experiences where I began to question things and i 'm still in this transition period where i 'm trying to figure out and have a faith of my own and come to it on my own and i 've got involved with a with the church here in Lexington, and they did a small group session with entrepreneurs uh and that that are involved with their faith and hmm. I would go to that each week and I would be building this this business and I realized that it was soothing and it was um, it helped me with stress to be there and sit with people and talk about faith because what it did is it brought a sense of vulnerability mm-hmm. and everybody started talking about their problems and what mm-hmm. uh, how faith has helped them. And that helped me with my stress. And I realized that other people were going through similar things as I did and how they got through it, whether that was through prayer or spending time with their family or going to church and doing certain things. And that was really helpful. And it took a sense of vulnerability and for me to step out and do that. But I noticed that talking about faith and just putting that um, at the forefront of these small groups was really a great experience. And I think that, that is something that needs to be done more. So I'm glad that, you know, we're having this conversation. Hopefully more people begin to open up
2: about it. Yeah, I hope that um, one, one of the desires, one of the businesses that actually instigated us com- having this conversation, Soterra Capital, which is my private equity firm, that we're, we're actually buying businesses with the desire of cultivating leaders who want to have these type of discussions. And we believe that we actually can create a, a better return for investors if, if we actually hmm. encourage this type of conversation and integrate it into our leadership training. And, um, and so our hope is, and we'll see how it all pans out, um, our hope is that this, you know, when we encourage, you know, the whole person and, and to grow the whole person, that these kind of whole people can lead with transparency Boldness and with a, a clarity that um, that leads companies to be healthier and everyone on down uh, to be healthier in the organization. And that's our desire.
1: Yeah. Love that. And, and speaking of the whole person, you know, everybody has family or loved ones that they care about and they have to balance that with their professional life. So let's, let's talk about family here before we end this. You, I think when we got on a call, you mentioned you had a pretty big family, if I remember correctly, <laughs> talk about that and, and how you balance, you know, family with your professional career and how your family helps you be a better professional.
2: Yeah. It's funny. You know, I, I my wife next week, uh, last week of April, uh, whenever this airs, Will be giving birth to our 12th child. Wow. And uh, I have to always say, yes, 12, like one, two, no twins, uh, just steady production. <laughs>
1: wow. Uh,
2: my oldest is 18 and is actually kind of going into U of L chemical engineering. So kind of following in dad's footsteps a little bit. And uh, yeah. And so it, it is, it's, you know, like people are like, I can't really relate with it. Well, it's kind of the same thing. It's just on a bigger scale uh, that everyone's dealing with with family. Um, you know, one of the things, again, it's how I look at risk. It was riskier for me. We we had to make a decision early on in our marriage saying, hey, like, you know, what family size is, real, is appropriate for us? And we we didn't know the answer to that. Many people don't. And we just kind of said, well, we'll just see what happens and we'll just trust that we'll get the size that that we can best handle. Um, and, um, and, you know, what's interesting is that in this kind of integration of entrepreneurship and family, you know, they're so intertwined for me. Like my family's really engaged in my businesses. They know what's going on. They know my big projects I'm working on, my hopes, my fears. Uh, many times when we were in the businesses where, and we were looking at, we're going to run out of cash before we really get going. I mean, they sat down and said, okay, like we're in this together. We go live in a van down by the river. That's fine. Like we're in this all together. And that like strength They're on, like you stay there and work as much as you need dad. Like we're fine here. Like there is a great like power that comes from having, you know, a family that's on your side And that takes some work because a lot of times it can be very like like there's a mistress in the household uh, of the uh, of the of the business you're launching. And um, and you have to be very careful that that, you know, and I can't say I've always done it right. I I think sometimes, you know, I've gone down a road with that where I'm like my wife has to call me back and say, Mark, you need to be here. You need to be here. Like you're, you're drifting away a bit and just getting too involved.
1: Yeah. I feel like there's a similar uh, analogy you made there of, you know, with your faith, you have something to fall back on with your family. You have something to fall back mm-hmm. on. That's the most fundamental thing about your physical life is that you've got this family to take care of and they love you. And that's what you guys share together. And same thing with your faith. You've got this fundamental belief that, you know, you've got this thing God that you will fall back on and then loves you. And when you go and meet him, you know, you've got just who you are as a person and the decisions you made Uh, throughout your life to to fall back on and be judged on i think those two things combined are very powerful and i do understand now how that empowers you to be a better entrepreneur i think it makes so much sense and that's super powerful Uh, i'm glad we're sharing this with our audience um i think time management real quick i think you you touched on it there you know you've struggled with it but what kind of tips do you have as far as time management and family what are some high level things that you do maybe in your own life that you found work
2: yeah, I, I do put family first. So here here's what's happened sometimes. But that's not that's not always an easy decision. Like I said, sometimes the family says, go make this happen. But there's times where, you know, I, I just remember praying this. I, I leave the business. I go, like God, like, you don't want me to fail as a father. You don't want me to be just an absent father. I know that. I don't know whether you want me to have a big business. So I'm not going to be an absent father. And you're just gonna have to give me business if you want this to be a big, big, bigger business. And that's and then I I pray that prayer very frequently um, as something where it, it's almost realigning my thinking too. Um, is just saying like I, I don't want to be an absentee father. Like I've just seen that so many times, and and so you know I, I would rather sacrifice the business and growing. But there's just a fundamental trust that, like, okay, like, it, it may not be that you're just gonna have to make it happen. And sometimes I have sacrificed the business. I know I could grow up faster if I traveled more, if I, you know, were to do more, you know, dinners to raise money faster. Like, you, you just have to be at peace with knowing that, yeah, you know, there's a, there's a, a framework of balance, um, that's required that, um, that you just can't, you can't feel guilty about, you just have to say, Hey, like in the end, you know, I'm happier with this decision. Like how many millions my business has grown to will not be what, you know, I sit on my front porch thinking about it's going to be sitting up and watching the grandchildren playing and knowing I have a relationship with them and I've been able to build into their lives that, that they're going and, and, you know, caring for more and more people. And that, that's, uh, what's going to be rewarding.
1: Man, love that. That's that's. I keep saying that. it's just so powerful because, you know, I think there's this consumer culture. There's this idea of you know making a lot of money and entrepreneurship's one of the easiest paths to that, and it's not. It's first of all, entrepreneurship's really hard. But you know, I think people put the wrong guiding light on what they do for a living or what they want to do with their life, and it's oftentimes sometimes materialistic or driven by money. And I think by putting, you know, faith and family, it, uh, it it gives you a better thing to aim for. True legacy comes with a family. Comes with, you know, having, like you said, grandchildren that carry on, you know, your beliefs and and your uh, what your mark on the world and how you want to be remembered. And that lives on through them. Uh, it doesn't live on through necessarily uh, the money you make or the business, because businesses come and go. But you know, your your legacy from a family is always there. That's. I really, really think um, this is an important topic to talk about, and I'm I'm glad you are.
2: Yeah, it's like impact investing. Like a lot lot of people are talking about and starting funds that do impact investing, and I really love that language and how to think about it. I think we can think about it even a larger way of like what does it mean to be able to, you know, through you know the mechanisms of faith and family to really inform the why of impact investing. Um, cause sometimes we say, Hey, I want to have this investment that really helps the environment. Okay. That's great. I think, you know, being able to, you know, be environmentally responsible is great, but why? Well, it, the answer of the why is many of, Hey, God's called us to be a steward of this world and our family saying, Hey, like let's have kids so that we both prepare something good to, uh, that we've preserved here and then populate people into it. Uh, that can enjoy it, uh, and so it kind of pulls it all together. I think it's actually some of the missing components that will allow us to have sustainable impact investing, and and so I'm hopeful that that will be something that you know gets inculcated into that movement um, that I think will really empower to have generational impact.
1: Yeah, you want to leave the world a better place for your kids and your grandkids makes makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Um, okay. Now let's transition here to the Louisville ecosystem. You're in the Louisville ecosystem. Uh, You're an active member, a very active member. Uh, What are some things you've seen in the ecosystem, both good and bad? And what are some things that uh, need need to be done more or need to be done less?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, the ecosystem has been very helpful for me, uh, especially I'm an endeavor entrepreneur. um, And that, you know, the support of that is tremendous. Um mostly it's to is to like uh you know where it's helpful I think it's good is it gets us out of our rut of relationships. So we have like a a vein of what we're comfortable with as an entrepreneur that we've done and um and we have a tendency to want to stay in that. Um what the ecosystem does well I think is to introduce you to others that, you know, think differently, can give you some other perspectives. Um, and I I think it does do that. Well, kind of areas of improvement, I would say is just, you know, more on ramps for people. It feels very like insular, you know, uh, you know, I know this person and that person then introduces me to this other person. And, and it's kind of the same people Mm. a lot of times. And I was like, man, I want to make more opportunity for people. Um, and, um, and, and so that's a little what I'm trying to do with Soterra uh, is say, how do I make for people that don't normally have opportunity to be an entrepreneur? How do I make opportunity? Um, and um, and I'd love to see kind of more of that. I um, Also, just more opportunity to to have kind of gatherings of uh, and again, COVID more difficult, but even before COVID, you know, how do we publicize and just create communities that, uh, that do like what you did with uh, in Lexington there with your church, like let people just be exposed to entrepreneurs and the realness of it. Um, Because sometimes like a lot of people's perception is that they, they're like the priests of business or something that they're, (laughs) you know, on high and they're, you know, they were able to do this and they're, and When they actually talk to us, they're like, no, we're just like you. Normal people. I mean, we just had an idea and, hey, it worked, you know, and now we're going to press into it. Uh, And so that when people see that the shelf is actually a lot lower than they think, I I would I would love to create opportunities where people see, you know, that shelf being a lot lower um, and so that others can can join us in what we're doing, because I think that if you can be an entrepreneur, you should. Uh, if you can start a business, you should. And uh, that sounds like a very like, wow, that's that's pretty uh, directive. Um, but I do think that um, it is one of those things that there's so much freedom that comes with it, that you have a freedom to serve others in a greater way um, when you're an entrepreneur and make the time to do that, that, you know, we should do it if we can.
1: Yeah, yeah. Endeavor, you mentioned Endeavor. Endeavor's been great. Uh, we've had a great relationship with Endeavor. They've given us intros to so many awesome entrepreneurs, you included, uh, that have led to so many important conversations. And ultimately, that's what we're trying to do. You know, with MiddleTech is I think one of the things you mentioned that uh, you think could improve is there just needs to be more activity, more discussions. And I think at the fundamental basis of all that is just more conversation with entrepreneurs that can be shared. You know, whether that isn't a small group session whether that's in front of a crowd or at a conference or like a podcast. I 100% would love to see more people getting out there and speaking about entrepreneurship in settings that traditionally aren't speaking about entrepreneurship, whether that is at a church or universities. Universities, believe it or not, don't talk about entrepreneurship a lot. Yeah. I realized that when I was at UK and now we're trying to change that. Um, I think that that needs to happen more and that's what we're trying to do you know, here at Metal Tech. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I think that um, one of the things you mentioned as well is, is access talk about real quick. Last question here related to, uh, the ecosystem access to capital. Uh, mm-hmm. we had, um, Patrick Henshaw on last episode, uh, mm-hmm. who's with access ventures and render capital, and that's one of yep. his main objectives is bringing more capital to people that, that need it or missed or are underserved. What are you seeing in the ecosystem related to venture?
2: Yeah, it's funny you had you know Access Ventures. Actually, I helped start Access Ventures with Bryce Butler, if you know he is, and we had it was it was at the same time I was starting MXD, and it was kind of the same mm. kind of vein and desire. Um, and um, and but I I do think that access to capital it, again it's very insular. Like if you know people, it's actually not that hard to get capital. When you don't, it seems like so difficult. Um, and, um, and I would love to see, you know, capital being, again, brought to a lower shelf and, and being able to say, okay, you know, how do we build people up and at the same time as bringing them access to capital? Because that's the whole thing, like why there's a lot of capital fear. I mean, there's a lot of, of capital available in our state, but there's, you know, when, when entrepreneurs, new entrepreneurs aren't kind of have a a mechanism for them being built up, uh, there's just a lot of fear to invest in them when it's so unproven. And so if we can create ways that these entrepreneurs can be developed, um, I I think best in these holistic ways that actually create trust, um, and that that I think that some of the, the capital will flow more easily to them. So, I mean, you talk about faith. Like when you're connecting at a faith level with somebody, you have more trust to invest with them. I don't want to use you know religion as some way to you know manipulate, but there is camaraderie that comes and a unified kind of set of ethics that when you say, Yeah, I'm committed to the to you know who Christ was and becoming like him, like there's when an investor kind of says, I'm committed to that too. It actually creates a a commonality that can bridge some of the things that that are problematic, and that's why some of that being shared I think you know is healthy um, and um, and that would go to other religions too that have kind of similar ethical kind of veins that that kind of understanding of who they are I think builds trust and builds bridges across different even religious kind of normal categories into some of the universals. Uh, that are there among many of the religions.
1: Yeah, makes a ton of sense. Well, Mark, thank you very much for coming on and speaking about this subject. As I said, uh, it's something I really look forward to talking more about. And I think our audience is going to find a lot of value in this. It's so important. Faith and family are two things that I know I put central in my life, and I'm working on faith. You know, it's something that's, I think, a journey all throughout your life. And um, mm-hmm. I think we need to view it that way and put it on a pedestal because it is important. I think a lot of the lessons that you shared, you know, I'm going to take away and apply to my own life. And I hope many others do that as well. So really appreciate you coming on and sharing, you know, your, your perspective on these things.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share. I mean, it's really, um, it's something Evan, that I don't get to do very often other than just in like my normal life. And I'm just really glad that you kind of took the risk yourself in in putting this out here and, and what you shared, and I hope that it's an example to others that, hey, it's safe to do this. Uh, it really is. And um, and that, you know, if there are some risks, it's really ones that are worth taking. So thank yeah. you. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely,
1: Yeah, it was refreshing. You know, when we got on the phone and I said, what are some things we, we can talk about? You have so many things to talk about. And you mentioned faith and family. We didn't talk about that on that call. And I was like, yes, that that sounds great because that's something that we haven't talked about. And I know that I care deeply about it and our audience will. So again, just just thank you. I think it's really important.
2: All right. Take care. Thank you.